Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. Most people in this church right this second have heard of the story of Gideon, and I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about that same story that everybody's familiar with, but I want you to, I want you to just listen because the story of Gideon, what I want to call the middle part of the most famous story of Gideon, has so much to do with this day and you, and myself, and what we're living in, and if you remember, uh, God's people were being, they were being harassed for over seven years uh, by the Midianites, and it was so bad that they would raise crops, and just out of pure meanness, uh, the Bible says this, if you want to follow this in Judges 6, you can do that later, but I'm just going to tell you about it quickly. It got so bad, it said they were like grasshoppers, so many camels and men, they would come and destroy their crops just for meanness, to completely oppress them, and you know, after this went on for a while, they cried out to God, and so God sent word to Gideon, and he told Gideon, he said, listen, you mighty man of valor, and I, I talked about this several, several uh, messages ago. He said, you mighty man of valor, you are going to rescue the people. You're going to save the people. And he said, I, I don't know why all this is happening anyway. And God says, well, the people are rebellious, and they're not doing and living the way they should live but you are going to do it. And then the part a lot of you are familiar with is, is Gideon said, okay, God, if you're going to do it, then I'm going to lay this fleece out. And for lack of better uh, terms, it was a blanket he laid out. And he said, now, he did it two times because he just wanted to make sure before, before he started this huge step of faith. And he said, okay, God, if uh, this is wet and the ground's dry, I'll know you, you're really going to do this. And he picked it up and he wrung it out and he filled up a whole bowl of water. And he said, Lord, don't get mad at me, but I just really want to double check. And so I'm going to lay it out again. And so if it's dry and the rest of the ground is wet, I'll definitely know that's you. And that's so God honored that. And he, he did that very thing. But then he, he told Gideon, he said, I want you to... Uh, Look at how many men you got because you got way too many. And so he said, if I don't do this, Gideon, then they will think, the Israelites will think that it was by their own strength that they overcame and they whipped the enemy. And so he said, just stand up and make an announcement. He did it. He said, all right, everybody that's scared, are afraid, go home. 
Only 22,000 people took him up on that and went to the house. He was left with 10,000, if you remember, and he said, that's still way too many, and I made reference, I think, two weeks ago, only two weeks ago, about the fact that he said, you still got too many, and there's 10,000. Take them down to the, to the creek. Tell them to drink. If they drink this way, then set them to the side. If the others uh, lap like a dog, put them there. If the other ones get on their knees. And so there was 300 that drank that certain way that the Lord had said. And he said, okay, Gideon, now tell everybody else to go to the house. 3,000, I mean, I'm sorry, 300 people was all there was. And so... I want today to take this middle part of, of this story and I want you to concentrate on it because inside of this story, which seems like it's just the odds are not even worth talking about, there's so many. There was an act of encouragement on behalf of God because now when you see a video like that and you see how all the major all the major organizations that have literally control over the entire world, and, and they do, uh, you know, without even doing any type of study. If you just, if you have anything at all without being mean or ugly, the, the world organizations that are all put in one place, when you see something so well put together like, like this, you, you know that Satan has been planning and doing what he wants to do for a long time. And so he's not kind of like just playing around with ideas today and then he goes off and uh, does a couple of fun things for a couple of days or he goes to work and then comes back and it's not a hobby. This is all he has to do. And so this is constantly being played out and it's happened for decades upon decades. And so you and I are living in this world with all of that happening on a global scene that's setting up for the Antichrist, but also we're the bride of Christ, and you are called on to fulfill the Great Commission, to get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave and do something before you die or before the trumpet comes back. And we had a great, great, great example of that this week. Because what happens as a result of $6,000, if you want to talk about that, because of all the ways the, the, the message goes out and the way the message goes out on Wednesday nights and in classrooms on Wednesday nights, and all of that requires meat. And that's why I said meat should come into my house in the form of tithe and offerings so, so that these kind of things can happen. And, and we saw that. But I want, to, I want to say something that's even more immediate before you can spend any money on that or children's church. There were people that were encouraged this week doing hard labor because they were surrounded by brothers and sisters in the faith that wasn't cussing or wasn't grumbling or, or, or wasn't mean to one another. And they were doing it. Because they loved Jesus, they loved the church, and they loved what they were doing. So that was an immediate thing that took place in that, in that event over there. So because we are given the mandate 
through the Bible, hey, you, you can't stop. You got to pick the pace up, and you've got to finish strong, and you, you spiritually, spiritually speaking now, you can't take a day off spiritually. You can physically, but you never can take a day off spiritually. What do you mean by that? Because I don't like that. That means you can never stop praying. You can never stop reading. You can never stop focusing on the mission at hand. Never. Not ever. You can be on vacation, but you can still be a man or a woman or a student on a mission. Amen? It can be at a cash register. It can be at a theme park. It, it can be anywhere. It can be at a, uh, while you're pumping gas. You're always carrying the mind of Christ. So I'm, I'm telling you all this because what do you need along with the instructions of God? You need the encouragement of God. So I don't want anybody to think today that God's just throwing a bunch of stuff out there at you and not leaving you with something to do. So that took a little while to get you into where we need to be in Judges 7, verse 9. But guess what? We are there. And you're going to get seven things that you need to kind of tuck away today to help you do what you and I need to do and what we need to do as a, as a church to stay encouraged while we're doing this. And so after all this happened with the fleece, with the thinning out the army, the Bible says, the next thing that took place, and it came to pass the same night after he got the army down to 300, that the Lord said unto him, Arise, talking to Gideon now, and get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. He was telling Gideon, I want you to get up right now. Not 300 of I want you, Gideon, to get up, and I want you to go right down there in the middle of where the, all the captains and, and all the, 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 the military people are in charge. Get up and go. Uh, Lord, maybe I shouldn't have done that fleece thing. Too late. God's already responded. God's already responded. He said, get up and go, Gideon. Arise and go. For I have delivered it into thine hand. But you're telling me to go down there in the middle where there is many as, the, as grasshoppers. They're like locusts. The Lord says, get up and go right now because I've delivered it into your hands. First thing you need to remember today, church, is God never has had a problem. Never. Has he had a problem telling you the outcome beforehand? He told Gideon, get up and go. But he also told Gideon in that same statement, he said, I've delivered them into your hand. Now, there's people that's looking at me, and there's a lot of people listening that really don't know if God will do it. Let me tell you something. God will never, you, you can, you, I'm quoting him, but you can hold me to it if you want to. God will never tell you to do anything that he will not fulfill it in your life. I don't care if it's a lost spouse, if it's somebody that, that you're spending a lot of time just taking care of them, uh, maybe at school or work you're trying because nobody else befriends them. And you know, I can give many scenarios, but I, I kind of want you to think about your own life today and think, God will not tell you to do something and then just say, whoop, 
I hope that works out for him or her. It might be giving money. Outside the church, let me go on and say that. It might be to somebody else to help them out. God will never tell you to do something and then not tell you that I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be with you. He, he won't do that. He did this in verse 9. He said, he said go, because I've already delivered them into your hand. And then verse 10, this is how good God is. This is how good God is still to you and me today. But if you fear to go down, go thou with Purah, thy servant, down to the host. So, in other words, God was saying, okay, you're done the two fleeces, and I've already told you. However, if you're still scared, take Pura with you. Second thing is, God can place a Pura in your path if he has to. He placed Ananias in the path of Saul or Paul. You remember on the road to Damascus when he got up from the light and he was blinded for three days? He told Ananias, he said, go. He's a chosen vessel of mine. He said, but he's been killing your people. God says, I don't care what you've heard. I'm telling you to go because I'm sending you into his life so he can go on from the state he will be in when you find. And see, a lot of times, I said this, and I got to jump in the head, but anyway, you are the key to somebody else moving forward, folks. And he told him, he says, if you need to get Pearl, get him to go. He placed Ananias not only in Paul's hand, but last week sitting at my dining room table, I told you on that screen that he also sent Deborah for Barak. Don't y'all remember? I'll go if you go with me. And everybody here, you might not be told to go to an army. It might be a spouse or a co-worker or a boss or a close friend or even an enemy. God might be telling you to do something or dealing with you about how you can play a role in something and God will equip you down to giving you a Purah, an Ananias, or a Deborah. He'll do whatever he has to do to fulfill in your life what he's told you to do. He'll do it. He's not a God that leaves you halfway down the road somewhere. Verse 11 says, And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men in the host. You see, number three, sometimes... God will send you in the most unlikely of places just so he can bless you and encourage you. Because I can, I can just tell you what homeboy here would have thought and probably said to God, God, you've already told me you're going to deliver them into my hands. Why do I need to go down there by myself for you to deliver them in my hand. And what God was doing, God was sending him in what looked like the wrong place so God could let him hear the right thing. 
And you know, a lot of times we get messages, we, we, get, we get things from God that he sends through people or through, uh, let me just say, circumstances or situations that maybe it didn't verbally speak to you, but spiritually you know that God was telling you something in, in, in the event or whatever took place. And we can, we can really just start trying to come up with all kinds of things that's happened over the course of your life. But folks, the deal is that God sent him there God still sends you in places. God, why am I still going back? And I've already used it, so I'm going to use it again. Why am I going back to work where all they do is cuss and blaspheme and all that? God might be sending you smack dab into the enemy's camp so he can show you that he can tell you what he needs to tell you even out of the mouth of your worst enemy. He can do it. So... I'm kind of giving you a hint to the next one, but verse 12 says, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the Israel of the east, they were laying in the valley that he had to walk through like grasshoppers. That's why I keep bringing that up. It's mentioned two times in 6 and 7. There was so many, the multitude was so much, it was like swarms of locusts of the enemy, folks. And their camels were without number, verse 12 says. In fact, there were so many, it was just like going to the beach and, and trying to keep up, guesstimate how much sand is on the, the shoreline. You know you can't do that. That's how many people it was. It wasn't a figure of speech. That's how big the army was. And can you imagine, is anybody at all with me today on the camera? Okay. Okay, thank you. Because I got to walk. Because he walked. And... I, I can't imagine, you might can't, but I can't imagine walking. You're telling me to go into the enemy's camp by myself, but then you did let me take a buddy with me. And I'm having to walk past all these people. I can't even bring the 300 with me. I've got all these people right here, and you're telling me to do this, but I don't have the help that you told me was all that I need, God, I don't understand what you were doing, and this is what the Lord had me to reveal uh, to all of us today, is that through the eyes of flesh, you will always seem outnumbered, but you'll never seem outnumbered through the eyes of faith. That is why these scriptures keep coming up to us, by the way. That's why when we walk through multitudes of the enemy, like grasshoppers, like sand, there's so many bills that's piled up on me. There's so many bad letters, bad news that seems to just overtake me. I, I, I can't get out of this swarm. I can't get out of this this sand that's all around me of all kind of depression and all this. Listen, we walk by faith, not by the dirt, 
not by the grasshoppers or not even by the 300 people that you said I could use to do this. We walk by what God says according to his word and we know that God's word, he's not a man that he should lie. He's faithful. If he started it, he will finish it because he loves you and he's obligated to his word. So we walk by faith even through the enemy's camp and God's got something waiting on you every time you do it, church. He does. I'll prove it to you right this minute in verse 13. And when Gideon was come, behold, first of all, that ought to be uh, uh, enough that you would walk through and not be heard or be noticed. What are, let me ask you this. What are the odds you can do all this and out of what could be in hundreds of thousands of people, somebody that couldn't sleep that night had to see you walking by, amen? I'm talking about out of, out of hundreds of thousands, somebody's got to see you now. So that's a miracle in itself. That God, how many, oh, let me, I just feel like preaching right here, but I'm going to just hold it. How many of you that God's ever brought you through a storm that you cannot even still describe to this day? If he has, why don't you just put your hands together and praise him right now? He has me. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. That's what he did. Doesn't matter who's against you. It's always about who is for you, church. Hallelujah. And so when Gideon got there, behold, there was a man man now he's in the enemy's camp there was a man that told a dream unto his fella his buddy and he said behold I dreamed a dream and lo a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. That's number five, by the way. God is never vague when it comes to confirmation. You're about to read and hear the confirmation. God, God doesn't do just some general thing to let you know it's him. He will, hallelujah, he will do the most outlandish. He will do the most absurd thing in the world just to show you Hey, I am with you in this. I'm going to take you through it. I know you've been in the doctor's office five times about this, but you walk with me every single time. I know you've been foreclosed on. I know you've been terminated. I know you've been just disowned by your friends or your family or you just feel like, you're just constantly walking through it. But no, you're not. You're not. And I'm just going to do something that seems so weird that it's going to show you, it's going to show you that it's me and it's nothing else. And that next scripture, verse 14, is the proof that I want to read with you. And so his fellow answered him. This man that was telling the dream answered and said, this is nothing else except the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Number six, I'm going to get it out. 
Even your enemy knows when God's working in your life. Listen. The enemy, the enemy, the enemy was confirming. God was, God took him through a scary valley full of the enemy, taking him right into the heart of where he should have been captured and executed on the spot. But no, God was sending him there so the enemy could speak on behalf of God and never even realize he was, he was confirming for Gideon what God was going to do by letting him see a loaf of bread come in there and completely take a tent over. And then not only did God use a man to tell the dream, he used another man to tell what the dream meant. He says, this is Gideon. Called him by name. This is Gideon. This is the enemy now, folks. This is Gideon. This is the sword of Gideon. And God is going to use him to take out all the host of all of us, all of the Midianites, all of the grasshoppers, all of the camels, all the sands of the sea. God is going to use this man because God is for him. And God will do that in our lives Countless times, folks, he will use the world to tell you what God's doing. I love the fact that now a lot of scientists are confused because they are saying now that they can see that there's DNA code in, uh, in, in a lot of the creation and a lot of that. Well, we've known that. Now science is finally catching up with the Bible, it thinks. See, God has always been at work, and God will use the world. God will use the wisdom, hallelujah, that comes from heaven, and he'll just drop it in somebody that's about to be up the creek. But he'll use that situation long enough to tell you, I got you, I love you. I love you. I got you. God will do that. He'll do that. And, and then the last question is, or the last verse, rather, says, And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And I want to tell you this. Not only did God tell him and say, you can take one person with you, and God protected him while he went through, through the enemy's camp. God protected him while he was there, told him the words of encouragement he needed to hear. And God protected him when he walked all the way back through the same group of people. You serve a good God whether you know it or not, church. God's kept you through storms. God's kept you through trials. God's kept you through bad marriages, bad jobs, bad health, bad financial trouble, bad mental trouble. God's kept you through all kind of bad life trouble. And he's been faithful through the whole trip, there and back. And all along the ways, he's used people, he's used things, he's used circumstances to let you know, I've still got you here, I'm with you, I'm for you. It never was about me being against you. I'm God. I'll always be God. And you're my child. We're going to keep doing this until I see you face to face. He's going to do that. So this last one comes is a question. And the question is, is it so right now for you? And are you worshiping? I, I'm lost on that. No, no. Let me read the part of the scripture. 
See, it, 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 it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream that he worshipped. It was so. He heard that it was so. He knew that was God. And his response was, it wasn't a boat out chest. It wasn't a post. It wasn't anything. He began to worship God. right, And he had to do it right there on the spot because he ain't returned yet. So he worshiped God right in the middle of the enemy's camp. And I'm telling you, if you believe what God has said about you uh, from his word, what he's going to do, what we're about to see one day is his face at the marriage supper. If you believe he that begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it, I'm telling you, if you believe it is so, your proper response is to worship God when you wake up, worship God when it's bad. Worship God when it's good. Worship God when you know. Worship God when you don't know. Worship God when you feel like it. Worship God when you don't feel like it. And when somebody says, why are you doing that at such a time? Like says, because it is so, God's going to do what he's going to do. And I know that and I worship him for it. He's going to do it. Hallelujah. God's already told you what the interpretation is. He told you, lo, I go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. Hallelujah. And he's told you that soon and very soon, he's going to tell the angel to come, blow the trumpet, and call us home. And then the dead in Christ shall rise. And those of us that are alive and remain shall be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And forever we will be with him. I believe that. I believe it is so. So that's what I'm worshiping God over. I'm worshiping God. I believe that. It's not just, it's so in my life, but I believe that is so. I believe he's about to return. I know about the signs. I know about Geneva, Switzerland. I know about all that, but that's not why I feel like I do, and that's not why I believe what I believe. I believe it because the Bible says it is so. So I'm just going to worship God every day on Monday. Sinus pressure or not, I'm still going to give him glory. Because it's so. It hadn't changed. My situations, United States, voting, not voting, politics, the world, money, everything, that changes. It's always going to change. But the Word of God is the same yesterday and day forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not my Word. And it is so. So I choose just to worship God until the trumpet sounds, folks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. You might be, you might be somewhere in this story. You might say, well, I'm putting out a fleece. Or you might already believe it, that yeah, God's doing this. God's told me to do it. God's told us to do it. I've read this in the Bible, and I'm convicted. I had somebody approach me this morning, God dealing with them about something. Something very great, hallelujah, for the kingdom, for the church. And you know, I didn't tell them these words, but, but that, was, that was really confirmation for me, even what I was preaching today. Because God is not through with multitudes' church. I'm happy about the money. I'm happy about the fellowship. But you know what I see? 
I see that remnant, man. I ain't said this to Angie, Nikki, or nobody. I see that remnant coming together. And I know there was another remnant about 2,000 years ago, about 120 people that met in an upper room. And they didn't care about anybody or anything, but they just did what Jesus said to do. And Jesus said, you did what I said to do, so the Father's about to do what he's promised he would do. And after about 10 days sitting there, the Bible said the Holy Ghost poured out from heaven, blew into an upper room where they were all sitting, and they all began to speak with other tongues and magnify God, and they come like lightning bolts out of that upper room, begin to glorify and magnify God in the city, and it astounded people. And then from there, thousands, thousands, I said the word thousands, began to be converted, 3,000 at, 3, at one time, 5,000 at one time, because these people were full of the power of God, and signs took place place and miracles and what would now be called the church exploded like that because people the remnant got together I've told you many times the fish was gone the 5,000 that got fed and then the 4,000 got fed all the miracles that played out that was at the hands of Jesus but I'm telling you this when the remnant said well we're going to do what he said to do we don't know about anybody else and we're not really concerned about anything but what he said to do and when the remnant got together I'm telling you the mighty power of God came on the remnant and the work got done the real work casting out demons opening blind eyes seeing marriages and relationships restored seeing healings seeing dead people raised again all that happened when the remnant that's why my soul was bubbling over yes that was heavy hot work yesterday afternoon but everybody did it with a great spirit and that's what that remnant looks like you see hallelujah because if God be for you, who can be against you? And I was so excited about what God is doing inside the four walls of this church. And you might be somewhere in that story today. I've seen, I've seen the fleece. I was scared, but I got me a buddy. I didn't know about paying my tithes, but I did it anyway. See, it can be anything, church. It's not limited to one or two or ten things but I want you to know this we got we've got to quit with the stop signs for God and if you want to know what I'm talking about the, the worship service today again I go back to it if you believe it is so you'll come in and you will worship God see God God inhabits the praises of his people when that takes place, without me or anybody else praying for anybody, all of a sudden, somebody that was hurting in their body, they begin to be healed. Other people that just don't know what to do, they have a peace that comes over them that passes understanding. You see, there's something in the kingdom of God that's connected to your worship. When you know it is so, when you praise him, that's the glory of God. Hallelujah, being magnified. But when you don't praise him, that's when the rock says, somebody's got to do this because it is so. It's he that has made us and not we ourselves. And church, we are 
on the brink. We had three nights of services, but we are on the brink. Hallelujah. Of revival in this church. And God wants to do it not only in this building, but God wants to do it in your home, in your life, in your pocketbook, in your body, in your mind, in your family, at your school, at your community, at your neighborhood. God wants to do it. And all you've got to do is say, God, have your way, Lord. Do what you want to do. Hallelujah. 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 So put yourself in any place you want to put it in the story. I'm scared. God knows that, so he's got a pure there. He's got a Deborah. He's got an Ananias. God, this is a real walk of faith. Don't matter how many grasshoppers, and that was referring to people, it doesn't matter what the odds look like, folks. You got to get that out of your mind. I had somebody talking to me about tithe not long ago. If you pay tithes, hey, let me say this. Let me just talk to people that don't attend Multitudes Church that's listening right now. If you pay tithe based on your budget, don't pay your tithes. Don't pay your tithes based on your budget. Tithing is an act of worship, folks. When you take it out of that context, regardless of your reason for doing well, the church has got a need. Maybe I need to do, no, it don't matter what the need is. When you take tithing out of the context of worship to God, it, it, it loses the ability that it could have. So I tell you, the numbers will never add up when you pay tithe until after you pay tithe. And then after you pay tithe, then the numbers won't add up on the other end of the spectrum. Where did all that come from? Why is that much still in there? Can anybody, I'm talking to other people outside the church, but can anybody inside the church just amen what I just said if that's happened to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. You get about 25% of the claps when you talk about money. Did y'all notice that just then? If, if I was guilty, I would have clapped my head off just then so it wouldn't look like, mm. that's a free preacher test right there, okay? You know if you pass it or fail, that's all I can tell you. I'm telling you, my hands would have been like blood red right then. But before I have asked you to stand, I want to tell you this because this is all about encouragement. Because we are going to finish, amen, what God's left us here to do in the church and at our home and at our school. God sent him there just so he could do this. He sent him through that scary path he's through that scary season in his life he sent him through every bit of that just for two words so he could say watch this see that's what i love about god i love that watch this i'm gonna send you there and the people that you about to destroy i'm gonna let them tell you out there on miles you about to destroy them See, he's so big of a God, only he can do that. Hallelujah. I, you need to stand because I'm, I'm busting wide open right now. Before we close this broadcast, I just want to ask you if you've ever allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. If you haven't, 
The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And today, Jesus Christ is standing there knocking at your heart's door. And if you will repent and surrender your life to him, the Bible says he's faithful. And he will move in. He will give you eternal life. Write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And soon, and what I believe is very soon, we will all meet him in the air when he calls his bride home. I want to pray for you that you would continue your walk in the Lord and any of you that may have a need, let you know that God loves you and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could hope or ask. Dear Father, I pray for, Lord, our friends that have been with us today, that you would touch them. God, that you would move in their lives, Lord. Those that need healing, we believe you are Jehovah Rapha. You're able to heal. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the God that provides. And Lord, we know that you are a faithful, just, holy, and righteous God. And Lord, I just pray protection over everyone that's listening. And I pray that people would know that in the name of Jesus, Lord, we have all victory. So God, be with the people. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.